much, and then uh, we'll go from there. I'll be in Exodus chapter 34 tonight, or Exodus 33. Exodus chapter 33. Past couple Wednesday nights, we've been dealing with the church. Is it necessary? Is it essential? And uh, I'd intended to continue in that line of thought tonight, but the Lord has me in another direction tonight, so I'll just give you what the Lord has put on me to give you and let that be, okay? Exodus chapter 33. Be beginning in verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand, while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Tonight, I want you to consider that the Lord has a place for you. It says in verse 21, the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. There is a place by me. There's one for me and one for you. Uh, it is for those who have a longing to know the Lord more. And there's so many songs we can think of that go down that line of thought. We think of more about Jesus, what I know. And I want to know more about my Lord and songs like that. Uh, the Lord told Moses... I've got a place by me for you. And as you look back over what's just happened, uh, Moses had gone up on the mountain for 40 days, gotten the Ten Commandments. When he's on his way back down from meeting with the Lord and getting a command from the Lord for his people, as he's on the way down, he hears a noise. Joshua said, that's a noise of battle. And Moses said, no, that's a noise of mirth. And as they get further down the mountain... They find that the people of God had said, we don't know what happened to Moses, so why don't we just serve the God of our choice instead of the God of Moses and the one that brought us out of Egypt? So they made a golden calf, and Aaron is the one, the high priest, is the one who fashioned that. And when Moses come down, he was so mad that God's people had gone in that direction. He cast the stones with the commandments out of his hand and they broke. And as those commandments broke, he was so upset uh, that he went and had a meeting with the Lord. He set up a tent outside of the camp and he said, this is a congregation or the tent of congregation. If you want the Lord, he ain't in you and around you. You got to come out to where he's at. Now Moses was upset. And uh, the Lord had told Moses at one point, he said, Moses, I'll start over with you. But Moses, as a type of the mediator, 
our mediator, Jesus Christ, he spoke on behalf of the people. And he said, Lord, what will happen if you kill these people? You brought them out for your name's sake. Don't kill them out. They're your people. And the Lord repented him of the evil he thought he would do to them, is what the scripture says. And Moses was the mediator that stood between God and man, that preserved life, that stood between life and death. And Moses here in chapter 33 is meeting with the Lord. And as he's meeting with the Lord, he talks with the Lord. And in verses 12 through 14, he says basically this, Lord, stay with me. Don't leave. Because the Lord had said, Moses, I will preserve life for the people. I will give you the land that I promised to Abraham and to you. But I'm going to send my angel before you. And I'm not going with you. And Moses said, Lord, uh, I want to know your goodness and your grace. And you've said that you know me by name. Don't let me stay alone. I don't want your angel. I want your presence. And Lord, only you will do. It's time that we start reckoning up what's important to us. Can you live with anyone or anything less than the presence of God in your life? Moses said, I can't. Lord, please stay around me. Stay with me. I want to be around you. If it means being around a rebellious, stiff-necked people, Lord, I want to be with you. I don't want to be apart from you. I don't want to start all over. I just want to be where you put me, Lord. Let me be with you. And then in verses uh, 15 through 17, I'm going to sum it up. He says, Lord... Go with us. I don't want your angel to go. I want you to go. And if you don't go, I'm not going. I'm going to be where you're at, Lord. And then by verses 18 through 23, he says, Lord, let me see your goodness, your glory, and your grace. Now notice what Moses said here in verse 18. He said, I beseech thee. In other words, I beg you, Lord. I'm pleading with you. Show me thy glory. I want to see your glory. There's nothing like God's glory. In the Old Testament, we find that the glory of God appears as a cloud time and again. And we're told the Lord has his way in the whirlwind. We have a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. And we hear these things in the Old Testament. And they are all a display of God's glory. And Moses said, I want to see your glory. In other words, what it is that I can brag about that, that stands out about God. Is there anything about the Lord that you have seen personally that you can brag on him about? And that's his glory, his name, his characteristics, the things that he's brought you through, deliverances, trials that he's seen you through, miracles that nothing can explain other than that was God. Is there anything in your life that you can point to and say, that tells me of the glory of God? Moses said, Lord, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of things. From the time Moses was born, the Lord had his hand on that boy. And his mom and daddy, by faith, built an ark 
to the saving of his life. They put him in the water in Alligator Alley, if you will, and God preserved him, and God stirred up Pharaoh's daughter's heart and took him in and raised him like one of her own when he was a Hebrew boy that was under the commandment of Pharaoh to kill God is the one who preserved his life. And Moses, I'm sure, has heard these stories. And he's saying, Lord, from my birth, you've been my God. And I can say a lot about you. And Moses, according to Hebrews 11, he thought his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would have delivered his brethren. But they didn't understand it. And so Moses had to run for his life for 40 years and uh, had the best education that the land of Egypt could provide. But he wasn't usable by the Lord. So the Lord dumbed him down with a bunch of dumb sheep to where he couldn't even speak. And the Lord says, now you're ready for me, Moses. And at 80 years old, the Lord appears in a burning bush. And Moses is watching that. And he says, Lord, uh, who, he said, who is, is this talking to me? And uh, who am I going to say sent me? And all of those things. He made excuses for why he was unusable by the Lord. And the Lord answered everyone. The Lord was in the bush, and the bush didn't consume. It just kept burning and burning and burning. And I'll tell you, friend, that if the presence of the Lord, whatever he's within, it will be on fire, but it will not burn up. It'll just keep a burning. And that's the way the house of God ought to be. It ought to be a bright and shining light and yet not consumed. And if the church is on fire, if the people of God, if their hearts are on fire, people will drive for miles to watch you burn. They want to see something real. And Moses saw that. It was unexplainable. But he wanted to know more. And he stood there and talked with the Lord in the burning bush. And the Lord prepared him and told him what to do. And Moses, by faith, went before Pharaoh and said, Thus saith the Lord God, Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I will not. And the Lord began bringing plagues against that land. And everybody saw there's a God in heaven who does what he wants to. And you either obey him or you're going to pay the price. You have to do what God says. We all must give an account to him. And they watched that firsthand. And Moses is now, he's come through, he's brought the people out of Egypt. He's made it to the Red Sea. And as they're at the Red Sea, it's impossible. They're going to die. But the Lord told Moses, stretch your hand out over the sea. And Moses did, and the waters parted. And they went across on dry ground. The scriptures say dry shod, which means they kicked up dust. Friend, that's an impossibility. If the Mississippi River was to part right now and we all immediately put foot in there, we'd get muddy. But not so if the Lord does a miracle. You'll go across on dry ground. And they watch that and they are looking back and saying, oh, we can't explain that. That's got to be God. There's no other way. This has never been heard of in our country. How did this happen it must be the Lord. Now Moses has seen God provide for his people manna every day. Water come out of the rock. Quail blow in. They've seen 
unimaginable things. They've watched God do the miraculous. Bitter waters turn sweet. Moses threw the wood in there and it turned it sweet. Friend, I'll tell you what that's a type of. That's a type of the cross of Jesus Christ and that'll sweeten up every bitter experience you've got in life. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, if you get back underneath the foot of the cross, it'll sweeten up your life no matter what you're facing. They've seen these things. They can't explain it. And they should have trusted the Lord by now. And yet, they keep going backwards. The Lord says they're stiff-necked. They're rebellious. And he said, stand back, Moses. I'm going to consume them. But Moses is saying, Lord, please be merciful. These are your people. What about your name? What about your glory? What will they say in Egypt when they hear what happened? Will they say he could get them out of Egypt, but he can't bring them into the land he promised? And the Lord said, Moses, I will, uh, I will do what you're asking me. And Moses is now, he's in a place in this passage we've read. Moses has said, Lord, stay with me. And the Lord says, I will. And the, Moses says, Lord, go with us. And the Lord says, I will. But I'll tell you, Moses don't stop there. He just keeps going while the Lord is a listening. Why don't you keep asking? With large petitions, that's what we need to bring to the Lord because he is pleased and happy to answer whatever concerns you. If you've got an issue going on with you, ask the Lord about it. And while he's listening, keep on asking. What does Moses ask the Lord the last time? He says in verse 18, Let, show me thy glory. What's the glory of the Lord? What did the Lord say he would let pass before him? Look in verse 19. And he said, that's the Lord, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. Be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. <clears throat> Here Moses has asked for the glory of God to pass before him, and I'll tell you, friend, it's no different for Moses than it is for me and you. The Lord said, I'll let my goodness pass before you. You want to know what God's glory is? It's his goodness. How long's it been since you've had a clear look at how good the Lord's been to you? What you deserve and what you ought to enjoy today should be the depths and the flames of hell. And yet God has been gracious and merciful to you and he's preserved your life. It's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance and goodness and mercy have been following you all the days of your life. If you'd look over your shoulder, friend, you'd see there's a God who's been way more than good to you. Moses said, I want to see your glory. And the Lord said, Moses, I'm going to show you how good I am again. He's not seeing anything new. He's seeing what's already been. Because his name, the name of the Lord, is Jehovah, which means I am that I am. He was what he was yesterday. He's the same today. He'll be the same forever. And when the Lord lets you see his goodness, he's letting you see just what he's already done for you, what he's doing right now, and what he will do tomorrow. The Lord is good. 
You need to remember that. The Lord said, I'll let my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. The Lord's not leaving it to anybody else to do. Not some angel, not some preacher. The Lord himself is doing the talking. Now, if you want to know what the Lord said, that's chapter 34 in verse 6 through 8. And the, uh, the Lord tells Moses who he is. And what does the Lord say? The first thing, look in Exodus 34 and verse 6. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God. Does he say good first off? No, he says merciful. Do you know why? Because the fountain of every blessing you have is rooted in the mercy of God. The Lord says, I'm merciful. You know what mercy is? Withholding what you deserve. The Lord's been merciful to you and to me. And it's about time we get back to where we see it clear who we are. You are no better than the day that the Lord saved your soul. The only difference is he had mercy on you. He saved your soul in spite of who you were. And he wiped away your sin. And he made you clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. He is our peace. It's all about him. It's not about my prayer or my practice or any other sort. It's in a person. He saved me for his namesake and not my own. It was his mercy that overshadowed me. Here's what Lot said when the angels laid hands on him in Genesis 19 and they drug Lot and his family out of the city. Lot said... He said, God has been merciful to me. And not only merciful, he called them manifold mercies. In other words, multifaceted. I see it branching off like a tree branch, going this way and that. I can't track it all down. If I start on one line, it runs me back to the Lord. Everywhere I turn, I find his mercy in my life. The Lord is merciful. If you want to see his glory... Look at how good he's been to you, primarily in his mercy to you. He has not. Here's what the Lord said. The Lord said in the law of Moses, any man that sins, any man that commits iniquity, any man that rebels against me and disobeys what I say, I will repay him to his face. The Lord said, I'm going to stand nose to nose with you and give you exactly what you deserve. But what about his mercy? The Lord has withheld himself from you in wrath and in judgment. And what he's done is overshadowed you with his mercy. That you may understand how good he is. And you may see his glory. What are you looking at? Are you looking at his glory? That's what Moses wanted. He said, Lord, I've seen so much of you. But I want to see more. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. And the Lord said, I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. In other words, it ain't up to me and it ain't up to you. It's up to the Lord. That's his business. He does what he wants to and he doesn't have to ask my permission or yours. The Lord does what he wants to. But I will tell you this. I'm thankful for the day that he showed me mercy and grace. I'm glad for the day that he did not give me what I deserve, 
but he told me who I was, and yet he was merciful to me, and he wiped away my sin in spite of who I was. I was brokenhearted. I was repentant. I wanted to be different. I was sorry that it cost God what it did, the life of his own dear son. I wanted to be different, but I was like the leopard and the Ethiopian. I couldn't change my skin or my spot. I was who I was by nature and by birth and by choice. And yet he cleaned me up. I don't understand how all that happened, but I I know it's real. I know it happened for me. Amen. I can take you to the time. I can tell you now the time and the place where the Lord saved me by his wonderful grace. I can tell you all about that. I can't tell you why he did it, but he'll tell me about that in the by and by as the songs goes. So one day, he'll tell me about it. He'll be gracious to whom he will and merciful to whom he will. Friend, mercy is not a right. That's at God's discretion. He does what he wants to with his own. Nobody has been done wrong if God shows mercy. If the Lord wants to show you mercy, that's not wrong. If he doesn't want to show another one mercy, that's not wrong. Mercy is at God's discretion. And he said, I'll do it to whom I want to. So that ain't up to me or to you. Just thank God for mercy. And if he's shown you mercy, thank him for your mercy. And that's what David said. He's the God of my mercy. I don't know what God you got, but he's the God of my mercy because he showed mercy to me. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. In verse 20, And he said, Thou canst not see my face. You know what the face is about? When you see someone face to face, you see who they really are. Uh, there is no hiding. There is no... Uh, no pretending. I think that's part of what the mask is about in our society today. You can hide an awful lot of ugly behind the mask. Uh, and this thought come to my mind the other day. Allie and I had to go to Walmart and get something. And that, that mask is terrible. Uh, it's a big old thick cotton thing. It looks like a face diaper, which is probably good. Holds in a lot of what needs to be held in probably. And when we got outside... I pulled that thing off, and I've got a breath of fresh air, and I've got a beard, so I was sweating. And I told her, I said, boy, it feels good to get the mask off. And then my mind went, oh, what a day that was when the Lord saved my soul, and I got that mask off. I didn't have to pretend no more. I was who I was, a new creature in Christ. I didn't have to name it and claim it. I'd just be who I was. That's a good day when you get your mask off and you quit trying to church it up and religious it up and everything else. You just be who you are and admit the truth. It'll do you good just to take off the mask. Well, that's what seeing the face is about. The face is the full identity and the revelation of who you're looking at. And the Lord tells Moses... I cannot reveal everything about me to you, Moses, but I'm going to give you enough that it'll make you glow. It'll be enough to sustain you many days. It'll be enough that the rest of the ungodly bunch down there worshiping another god would say, Moses, put a veil on. We can't stand to look at you. 
I'll tell you what, if you ever around the Lord any length of time, it'll light you up and others will be able to tell it. It don't say that Moses knew it, but others around him did. And Moses had to put a veil on because he was glowing. The afterglow was so good, others couldn't take it. The Lord said, you can't see my face, for there's no man to see me and live. And I'll tell you what, friend. When God sent his only begotten son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, according to Hebrews 1, he is the express image of the Father. He is the, uh, he is the visible Godhead contained bodily. He is God in the flesh, in the word. Was the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and we beheld his glory as of the holy begotten of the Father. There's the glory again. The glory of God is Jesus himself in the flesh. And if you're going to see the glory of God, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Get back to where they need to be. Quit looking at everything else going on and look at the Lord Jesus Christ for he is the glory of God revealed to you and I. He is the word made flesh. He is the Godhead in the flesh and he is the glory of God. So look at the Son of God and you'll see God's glory revealed to you and me. The Lord told Moses, no man can see my face and live, Moses. But when God sent his son, born of a virgin, cradled in Mary's arms in Bethlehem, for the first time ever, the unapproachable God became approachable. The one who is past finding out is being able to be seen in the flesh. The one who was told, you cannot see my face and live, is looking back at them and they can look in his face and live. Verse 21, the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me. There's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And I'll tell you, friend, 1 Corinthians 10 says, That rock was Christ. If you want to know where the rock is, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. He is what the church is built upon. He is the head of the corner. He is the one that Zechariah saw and said the headstone has come out and you cry grace, grace unto it. He is our headstone. He is our cornerstone. He is what we're fashioned off of. If he has made you a lively stone, he's hewn you out of the rock, Malachi says, and Micah. They say that you've been hewn out of the rock. And Micah said when he dug you out, he dug you out of the miry clay. And he set you as a jewel in his crown. And one day, friend, he will wear that crown. The Lord of all glory. And you are one of the jewels if you've been born again. When he makes up his crown, he chiseled you out. He found you. He mined you out of the rock. And friend, I'll tell you that what's going to happen one day is the rock is coming. And in in, 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 uh, Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And it was a statue. And it had head of gold and shoulders and breasts of silver and uh, loins of brass. And uh, it had legs and feet of, um, of, uh, legs of iron and its feet was 
time, physical time frame. And, uh, and here's the way the Lord told Daniel that would unfold. There'll be four major world empires. But all, but all three years, do you know that? Because the Lord gave him the interpretation, he said, Nebuchadnezzar, the head is gold. That's your kingdom. But there's another one that's going to be silver, the breast and the shoulder. And that's going to be another one. And he explained it. And if you read your history, that's the, the Grecian Empire. Alexander the Great. By Daniel 11, he told Daniel what would happen. He said, there'll be one that'll stand up and he's going to pass off the scene and his kingdom will be broken into four parts. That's Alexander the Great. I don't have time to get into all of that. But that kingdom's already come. And then he said, there's going to be the, the empire of the loins uh, and the, uh, uh, the loins of brass. That's the Babylonian Empire. That one's already come and gone too. And then he said, there are, there's coming one that's going to have legs of iron and feet of iron and mighty clay. That's the Roman Empire. You say, well, it's passed away. Not so fast. It never did disband. It just spread out throughout the world. Its tentacles are still reaching out through the Roman Catholic Church. It still reached out through America. You say, how is that? What was Rome's symbol? An eagle. What's America's? Rome was operated off of one man named Caesar. America is operated off of one ruler called the president. Rome was also, they could override their Caesar. Now I'm getting into history, ain't I? Rome could override their Caesar by the Senate. Does America have one? You see, it never did go away completely. It is going to resurge again in the end of days. And there's going to be feet. How many legs do you have? Two, right? We always look at the Roman Empire as being the Rome, the western side, but it's split. And there's the Roman leg and the Greek Orthodox leg. Right? Y'all know your history? Now, I'm going to leave that alone. You want me to tell you where all of that's going to end in Daniel chapter 2? Uh, it's going to end in ten major uh, kingdoms. Because you've got ten toes, right? And there's feet. But guess what's going to happen when that statue thinks it's going to stand? When all those empires that have been, I think that they're going to stand against the Lord and against his anointed and against his people. And you can have all the Palestinians and all the world come out that you want to and say that they're going to share the land with Israel and all of that. No, friends. God promised it to Abraham and he's given it to Abraham. And any enemy that stands in the way, I'm going to tell you where it's going to end. In Daniel chapter 2, when it thinks it's going to stand, that statue, there's a rock that shows up and it comes tumbling down. And it's a rock not made with hands. And it hit that statue and it crumbles to the ground. that rock that demolishes that statue is Jesus Christ. This world was created by him. It was purchased with his own blood. The church was. 
every part of everything that you see around you was made by him, through him, and for him, and for his glory. And it will be in the end once again completely, absolutely, unequivocally, undisputedly for his glory. Now I've told you all of that to say that the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. The Lord said, It's by me. Do you want to be by me, Moses? I'll let you be by me. And friend, for you and I, there is a place that you can have. A place of rest, a place of reassurance, a place of rescue, a place of security, a place of shelter, a place where you can know more about the Lord, a place where you can see His glory again, a place that'll burn in your heart and cause you to glow for him once again. A place that the Lord said is by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock. If you're not going to stand on the rock, you have no place. But if you'll stand on the rock, there's a place by the Lord for you. Will you stand upon your rock today? How about it? Will you take your rightful place? The Lord Jesus has purchased a possession for you. He's given you an inheritance. He is our rock. He is what this whole thing's about. Will you just stand on him? Take him at his word. Have faith in his word. Take him at his word and his promises. You will find a place that is by me that the Lord said. In verse 22, and it'll come to pass that while my glory passeth by, the Lord makes it show up. And uh, this word passeth uh, in your King James, if it ends in E-T-H, that means it's a continual action. The Lord's not going to let it come by once or twice, but it'll just keep on coming by. And if you want to take your place and you'll just keep looking, you'll see a big train, one after another, of the goodness of God and his glory passing in front of you. And the Lord said in verse 22, I will put thee in a cliff of the rock. It's not a place you can climb on your own. It's not a place of your choosing or picking. The Lord said, I'll put you there. I'll pick you up. I've got a place for you. If you want to be where I'm at, Moses, I'll take you in. I'll pick you up. I've got a spot reserved. Nobody else can have it, Moses. It's for you. And the Lord would say the same to us today. If you have a, you've got a place, and if you want it, why don't you take it? Do you want to see the Lord's glory? The Lord said, I've got a place for you if you want that. I've got a place. It's in the cliff of the rock. The Lord said, I've got a place, Moses, where I'm going to carve you out a spot. And I'm going to tell you where the Lord carved your spot. He carved it in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his feet, and on his brow, and in his side. There are five wounds that the Lord opened up in his son on your behalf, his head, his hands, his feet, and his side. Your name is graven in his hand. Could he ever forget you? All he's got to do is look down at his hand, and there's your name. He's got you in remembrance. 
See, that's what the Lord told Moses in verse 17, the last phrase. He says, I know thee by name. Does he know you by name? Does he know you? Not do you know him, but does he know you? That's where salvation is, friend. Does the Lord know you? The Lord told Moses, I know you. I've got a place for you if you want to be there. And the Lord said, I'll take you in, Moses. I'll pick you up. I'll put you there. And I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. So much could be said about this passage. And uh, I'll leave that to the Holy Ghost to deal with your heart about Verse 23, he says, And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. He tells Moses, You cannot see my face and live, but I'll let you see the back parts of me. In other words, I'll let you see where I've been. I'll let you see the glow of my pathway, and I'm going to lead the way. Moses, you can see my backside, which means the Lord is heading somewhere, and if you want to know it, you got to follow. So the Lord said to Moses, i let you see my backside. But if you was to go to the New Testament, they did not see the backside and the, of the glory of God. They saw him in the face in Jesus Christ. And when on Mount Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were up there, they saw just a glimpse of his glory. And they said it was brighter than the noonday sun. I couldn't look at him. He was so bright. Moses here is told by the Lord God, you can only see my backside, Moses. But on Mount Transfiguration, Moses is one of them standing there looking at him in the face. Well, the Lord's been merciful to you and I to let us see him in his son. Do you realize that the disciples didn't even understand this? Uh, because at one time Philip said uh, to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to the Father. And Philip said, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And the Lord Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and you've not known me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Moses here couldn't see the Father in the face, but in Jesus Christ you can. Say, what does it take? First off, I want to. Do you want to see his glory? Do you want to see the glory of God displayed where others who come in have to step back and say that's unexplainable and uh, they say oh, we've never seen it like this before it's never been done on this fashion and yet it's noised abroad he's in the house do you want to see his glory do you want to see the unexplainable do you want to see miracles take place do you want to see the preacher show up I'm not talking about me or any other man I'm talking about the Holy Ghost himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to see him show up and be on full display? Is that what you want? Then you can see it. I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. Chapter 31 and verse one, 34 and verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Hew thee out two tables of stone like unto the first. I'm going to tell you what happened. 
in the, uh, when Moses come down from the mountain and they were worshiping that calf and he threw those stones down. The commandments that God wrote with his own finger, they were broken up. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. There may be some things that you had your hands on that have broken up. It's going to have to be repaired. You cannot see God's glory until there is a repair of what's broken. If you've got a broken relationship, it must be repaired or you cannot see God's glory. Chapter 34 and verse 1, the Lord told Moses, you hew out the stones like the first. And I will write upon the tables the words uh, that were in the first tables that thou breakest. The Lord said, Moses, I gave you the first tablets. I cut the stone. I wrote it with my finger. You broke it. There is a, something between you and I that's broken. Moses, you've got to hew out the the, the tables uh, for this next round. I'll write what I want in there, but you've got to repair some things. And if we're going to see God's glory, there is a repairing of a relationship that may need to take place. And then as you read down through there, it says in verse 4, And he, he hewed two tables of stone like the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And then the Lord told him what he wanted him to say there. But that did not happen until Moses obeyed what the Lord said was broken. The Moses had a responsibility. There comes a time when it's not everybody else's fault and you can't make excuse for it. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my brother, it's me, oh Lord. And when we get down to business with God, all others pass out of view and it's us and him and you know when he's dealing with you or not. You don't have to have an interpreter. When God speaks, Man hears, and he knows exactly what he's being told to do. There needs to be no interpretation of it. If the Lord speaks, you know it. Moses heard the Lord, and he went about to obey. When he obeyed, in verse 4, what does it say? It says, and Moses rose up. Moses rose up. There comes a time of getting up. It's time to quit sitting down and looking around and making excuse. There comes a time to get up. You know what depression is? D being down. Do you know why they give you antidepressants? To pick you up. You want me to tell you what to pick you up? The glory of God. Seeing his glory. It'll pick you up. You don't need a pill. You need the Prince of Peace. And if the Prince of Peace is around, no pill will touch that. Moses arose, and it says Moses rose up. And when Moses rose up and he obeyed, look in verse 5, the Lord came down. I'm going to tell you that's the way it works. When you rise up, the Lord will come down. When you've got a mind to obey, then the Lord will show up. That's what we need in our generation. We need the Lord to show up. We need some men and women, some teenagers, some children. We need them to get up and we need them to rise up and obey the Lord and say, Lord, I want 
to command me and I will obey your voice. And you will find that if that's your attitude, the Lord will come down. And the Lord will talk to you. And the Lord will straighten out a lot of things that seem to be wrong in your mind. Did it fix what was going on in this setting? Not at all. The Moses, as you read through here, you'll find that the Lord still told Moses, there's still a bunch of rebels. They're still stiff-necked. But Moses glowed with the glory of God. And he could endure what the Lord had him stake out to do and the person that God had him to be. He could be that because Moses rose up and God came down. And the Lord spoke to him. And the Lord showed him his glory. And it affected everything. As I consider the scriptures and I think of the Lord showing up, I hear and I've read that in Genesis chapter 18, the Lord showed up and Abraham wasn't looking for him, but he showed up and Abraham saw three men coming and he showed them hospitality. Little did he know one of them was the Lord and it was the Lord that he showed hospitality to and the Lord gave him a promise and he said about this time, according to the time of life, I'm returning and your wife Sarah's going to have a son. The one I promised you. It's time, Abraham, because you were good to me. You were looking for me. You took care of me. You had a mind to obey me. I'm going to reward you now. Abraham, it says that he went and he got a calf and he fetched it. He took it to a young man to dress it. And after he did all those things, he went into the tent. He told Sarah, make out a, some cakes and feed them. And uh, as he did all of that, it says that, the, that Abraham stood there, uh, un, stood there with them under the trees. He stood with them there. And the Lord was one of them that stood with Abraham. The Lord was stood there, and the Lord stood with Moses here. There was a time when it was a bad society, and, uh, and it looked like everything that God's people had worked for was going away. And Gideon was threshing wheat. As he threshed the wheat, it looked like everything was hopeless. So he threshed the wheat uh, behind closed, uh, closed doors, if you will, because the enemy, if they saw what was going on publicly, they'd take it away. So Gideon was threshing wheat. But the Lord showed up, and he spoke to Gideon, and Gideon said, if, if he be the God of our fathers, where's all the miracles? But the Lord spoke to Gideon, and it said, he was under the tree with Gideon. When the Lord shows up under your tree, friend, he'll straighten out an awful lot of bad thinking and a lot of bad situations. It may not change at all in your life, but it'll help you endure and go through. Because when the Lord shows up, when he speaks to you, when he lets you know he's got a place for you by him, you'll find it's always enough and more than enough. Because one of the things the Lord said there is, I'm abundant in mercy. Abundant means more than enough. You'll find that the Lord is always more than enough for you. Whatever you need, he can fill, meet, and supply. He's got a place for you tonight. He's got a place for me. If you've got a want to and a mind to, you can find the Lord. 
if you want to. The Lord said, I've got a place reserved for you. Moses said, Lord, I want to be there. And the Lord said, then Moses, I will put you there. And that's what we need. The Lord to put us where we need to be.